Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If you were in charge with the, with the game of baseball, is there anything you want to see implemented into the game? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, I mean, it would be nice if more teams tried, I would say. Fly ball onto the track. At the wall. It's gone. Home run. Turns on a ball. Deep right field. And gone. What a game. What a moment. All right. I am pumped to be joined again on Flipping Bats by Dylan Cease. Good friend of mine now. Baseball is back. Dylan, pumped up. You're back in Arizona for, for spring training now. How was your offseason? What did your offseason consist of? Yeah, well, well. first off, if you weren't such a nice guy, I would boycott the show because of what your brother did in 22 to me. But <laughs> since we have such a good relationship, I like to come on. Uh, I had a great offseason. Arms feeling good. Body's feeling good. Uh, definitely excited to be back out. Good. You've obviously been I, – I, I feel like this offseason has been massive just trade speculation at all yeah. times with you. Lots of speculation here. Lots of people talking here and there really all off season from the baseball universe. But yeah. for you, for you personally, um, does that take a toll on you in the off season? Is it, is it something you try and tune out? Like how do you manage that? Uh, I think it would have been impossible to tune it out. You know, it's, it's inevitable that friends or family or whoever is going to be, uh, you know, saying stuff or sending you stuff. And, you know, obviously if, uh, being involved in it, I did want to know like, Hey, what is, you know, yeah. What are the rumors? Uh, for me, it wasn't really, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was really a negative anyway. It was more kind of just intriguing, like, hey, you know, what's, what is going on? What could go on? Um, but at the end of the day, I really just want to perform. So, you know, I kept my focus on on getting ready for the season, getting everything built up. Um, and, and that was almost just, it was a little bit of background noise. And, you know, I definitely saw it and, and paid attention. But at the end of the day, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't losing sleep over it by any means. When you're asking those questions, because obviously you want answers to questions as well, are you talking to the White Sox front office or are you asking your agent? Like, who are you talking to throughout this process? Yeah, so early in the offseason, it was more on the agent side and he was kind of keeping me filled in. Um, and then towards a little bit later, I Chris had called me and basically we talked and he let me know if anything was imminent, um, you know, that he would let me know. And, and so far, I hadn't really been super close. Uh, and he kind of just let me know that it was probably less than 50% chance that I did get traded for spring. So he kind of gave me an idea of, of what was going on. But I, I just feel like in this scenario, you know, anything could change like that. Anything could really happen. Um, all it takes is, is one team deciding to go for it. So yeah. I kind of just kept an open mind to it. And uh, I, I viewed it more as a win-win because, you know, either way, I, I either get to come back here where I've got a lot of uh, good relationships and, and – yeah. Uh, I love the city of Chicago, so that's a win. I was going to enjoy my time here, or I would I would go somewhere new and uh, you know experience something new and start something fresh. So yeah. it was really just the win win. It was I twenty twenty three. I would say was 
an interesting year for the Chicago White Sox. It's a year I, I think I predicted the White Sox to, to win the division. It's a team full of talent um, everywhere you look, really, in the pitching rotation. Obviously, you there with just nasty stuff. You have tons of talent around the field. Luis, Robert, guys like that. But it just never clicked at, at any point, really. And it just never felt like you guys were able to get the ball rolling. What do you do differently this year? And I know that's an, a difficult question, but how do you change things up? I mean, there's been a lot of turnover as well, but how do you take a team that had a lot of talent that really underperformed and now take a team with talent and, and change things up? Yeah, I, I know for sure with, with a lot of the guys he's brought in, uh, you know, I think we have a big emphasis on defense this year because that's something that as a team we've struggled with over the last couple of years. Um, I think we got a lot of high energy guys, a lot of high effort guys, and I think that can go a long way. A long way. So, you know, obviously it takes it takes talent to win, but I mean, we got we still have a lot of talent here. You know, I think yeah. I think everyone's kind of already counting us out and viewing us as you know whatever. But I mean, internally, I, we don't feel that way at all. I, I think we feel pretty good about it. Um, and yeah, I think the biggest thing is just you know playing fundamentally well and playing hard. You know, there's a lot of teams that that maximize what they're doing and they win a lot of the close games because they play good defense, they play hard, they throw strikes. Uh, and I, I think that's, that's kind of what, uh, what's trying to be established here is kind of a culture of, of really fundamentally sound baseball. One of those, uh, those new guys that I think you're speaking of big defense guy, big energy guy is a good friend of mine, Nicky Lopez. I don't yeah. know how much you've gotten to know him yet, but he is a great dude. He's hysterical. Yeah. You got to tell Nikki I said what's up at some point soon. Yeah, well, he's a uh, yeah, he's a good dude. That's uh, I've been character. I've gotten to hang out with him much outside of the field yet, but uh, he's he's definitely uh, fun to be around. <laughs> he is. He's a great dude. So there ha there really has already been a ton of turnover with the right the White Sox roster this offseason, Meaning, I think there's a lot of young, unproven talent in camp at this time, right? Which can be exciting for the team, but obviously exciting for those guys. So. I wanted to think back to your first big league spring training. What advice would current day Dylan Cease give the the younger version of yourself that came in probably nervous, trying to impress impress everyone in the world? What advice would you step back and give yourself? Hmm, it's a good question. I mean, hindsight is is twenty twenty, so it's uh, it's easy to look back, and I could just tell myself like, "Hey, man." relax like you got a chance you might want to Cy Young you might do this you might do that <laughs> man I don't you know I don't know if I'm good enough or whatever um yeah I think uh I, I probably would have uh I probably would have just encouraged myself to be a little bit more relaxed and um maybe enjoy it a little more as opposed to really just being you know a, a little uptight I guess but I mean, maybe that's what made me good so I, I don't know I feel like that's impossible to look back you know like I, I look yeah. back on on my career and like now I sit in this position and think like man if I was just able to like not take things so serious and like just yeah. relax and not worry if I'm over three like if I'm going to punch out my last at bat just like chilling out a little bit and I think it allows you to to perform better but it really is almost an, an impossible thing to be able to tell yourself in that moment because at the time and I'm sure you know this first spring first spring training coming up through the minor leagues like all you are is is the numbers that you put up and that's different than yeah. anywhere that that 
we've ever played the game. You get into professional baseball and it becomes a business and it all becomes about the numbers you put up and how you do. And it almost becomes impossible to not let that eat at you if it's not going well. So it's funny to to hear you say that. And you're absolutely right. And I wish I was able to look back and say that to myself. But man, is it tough to look back and think like, hey, calm down, you'll be fine or or you won't. But (laughs) one way or another, it'll all work out. As a young player, you're, you're navigating a lot of things too. You know, it's uh, you're kind of figuring out how to be a professional, what is expected at the major league level, yeah. how to interact with other guys, guys that have been in the show for ten years or whatever. You know, you're you, you got a lot of things that you're trying to figure out, and on top of that, you're trying to figure out how to perform consistently. And uh, it's it's definitely it's definitely a learning curve. For sure, absolutely, it is. So again, a lot of a lot of young guys in camp right now that are probably trying to to navigate that right now. But what I would ask you again, I, I'm sure after after last year and a couple of years, White Sox fans are probably um, a little down, excited for a new year. So what I would say is, are there prospects in camp right now that you've had a chance to look at that should really excite fans? Yeah, it's a good question. I haven't. I haven't personally really gotten the opportunity to watch too many guys in action yet. Um, I, I got to see some some live VPs today and got to see Colson and all that. Um, so it, it's hard for me to answer this early. Have me back on in like two weeks and I'll give you a, I'll give you a better rundown. But uh, yeah, no, I mean we we've definitely got a lot of young talent. Um, I, I think we have, I think we have seventy guys in camp or something crazy like that right now. 70? I think so. I, I thought I saw something. I could be way off, but I thought Ooh. I saw something where we set a White Sox record or something like that. Maybe not. That could be way overblown. But I mean, there's a lot of guys. I'm still trying to learn everyone's face and everybody's name. And and uh, yeah, but I mean, yeah, we got uh, like Spees. Uh, he was throwing 98 in his pen. We got we got you know we got some guys for sure. I gotta ask about Garrett Crochet. He's not a per se a, a young prospect coming up, but. He's an interesting guy for me. He's a guy that came up throwing over 100 miles an hour from the left side, a lot of hype, was relieving, closing, kind of all over trying to find the right role, and then unfortunately gets hurt, gets TJ, misses 22, misses most of 23. Now he's working to try and become a starter. What can you tell us about Garrett's recovery and how he's looking so far and how he's feeling? The biggest thing with him is he's just – a physical, a physically imposing yeah. person. I mean, he's all of six six two sixty or fifty or whatever he is. He's 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 a big man. Uh, ball's coming out great. I mean, I, I know he's mid to upper nineties right now. Uh, I, I think the plan is he, he is going to try to be a starter this year and and go through all that. Yeah. Um. He's uh. Yeah. I, I don't worry about him at all. I mean, he he works really hard. I think he's got the mental side. He's he's got that. You know, he's 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 a fighter. He's not afraid of the moment. Um. And uh, yeah, he's extremely talented. I mean, he's if, if I had to bet, I would say he's going to be extremely he's going to be very successful. So you were on last year, like right at the beginning of, of the year. And one of the wild things that ended up happening last year for one of the many storylines around the White Sox last year was the brawl you guys got in against the Guardians. What were you doing during that brawl? What was going through your head when that happens? I'm always fascinated from a pitcher perspective because it's always a bunch of just like people just running out and like nothing really happens. But what were you during doing during that? Yeah, I, I just remember, uh, I remember being in the dugout and I didn't see any of it happen live. So I was kind of just in the dugout and then all of a sudden everyone's running out there and I'm like, uh, what do we miss? And then, 
I don't even know when I, I heard about everything that had happened, but uh, for the most part, it was just running out on the field. And by that point, it was pretty much you got your one or two guys that are skirmishing, and then you got you got the tough guys that are always like, I don't know, you know, they're they're always trying to start something or say something or do something. You're not one of those guys. I don't want to say I'm not one of those guys. I haven't, <laughs> historically speaking, I have not been the center of any brawl yet, so I can't claim to be one of those guys. Um. I don't know. We, you know, maybe, uh, maybe at some point we'll get in there and see if I can, uh, if I got a right hook or anything like that. It doesn't, it doesn't get to that point though. You got, you got nothing over the course of your career, high school, college, pro ball, ball. no good no, brawl stories. Nobody charging the mound on you. Nothing. No, nothing. I've, I've been out for a couple of them. I mean, I remember the one where, uh, Jose Abreu slid, uh, super hard. I think that was in, uh, against the Tigers. Uh, they kept hitting him on the elbow. Probably not on purpose, but you know, after a while, it's like it still gets annoying. It gets old. So I remember him sliding hard in the second. And uh, I remember like being behind Carlos and seeing Carlos start out there. And like, you know, all right, let's get out there. Um, I mean, I've definitely been a part of them. I just have never been the center figure of any of them. You know, the first one that I was ever. It might be the only one that I was ever like even in, involved in as a player happened in the minor leagues. I remember we were playing in Lowell, the Red Sox organization and benches cleared for some reason. And all I remember hearing throughout, like, you know, like when you're in the minors, you end up you end up in a million meetings in spring training. Right. Right. Yeah. At the beginning, like security meetings and nutritional meetings and financial yeah. stuff and all you're in a million. The one thing I always remember was they were talking about if there's ever a fight. If you leave your position, you will get fined. So if you're in the field, if you're in the dugout, if you leave your spot, you're going to get fined. It should be the opposite. If you don't leave your position, you should get fined. Well, then you're you're screwed in kangaroo court when your teammates come at you. So one way or another, you're in trouble. But I think if you left your position, it was like $20. And when you're only making $25 for a year, $20 is a lot of money to lose. And I just remember we got in a fight and everybody obviously goes out there and because you're it's like you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, sort of situation. But yeah. that was that's the only one I think I've ever been a part of. But nothing, nothing. You crazy. Any punches? I kind of wish. I kind of wish something crazy had happened. But not you that I would. Punches? I wouldn't fight. But whatever. Oh, so you're giving me a hard time. You didn't throw any punches. Never. I've never thrown a punch in my life. Never. So last time you were on, it was. I think you had just. I think you had just had your first start of the year. Was it Houston? Was that right? Yeah. So. I asked you about the pitch clock because it was like brand new and everybody was talking about it. And when we talked about it, you said at first you were quite apprehensive about it and then really grew to like it. Um, so I'll ask you again after a full season of it, where do you stand with the pitch clock? Did you love it? It, I, I like the pace of the game with it for sure. Um, well, I love it. Hmm. It doesn't seem like you love it. Maybe you like it. <laughs> Oh, I mean, it is, it, it's annoying sometimes, you know, like you really don't have a lot of time to, if you're not on the same page with your catcher, you know, you don't really have a lot of time to sit there and shake. Yeah. And then uh, it's, it's, it's got some downsides in that regard, but I mean, I, I do think the pace of play is probably worth it. I mean, I get to get home, you know, at a reasonable time and all that. Yeah. Um, and the games are, are, they feel more action packed for sure. Uh, which I think is a, is a plus. So it's, um, yeah, I definitely don't hate it. I don't know if I could say I love it, though. So, did, 
Is it official this year? They they shortened it even more so with nobody on base. Did that happen? I thought I saw that. I don't know. That. I I hope not. I think it's. I think we were good last year. Jeez. I mean, I I think from they were either. I think it's in place. I think it's same with runners on and with nobody on. I think it's even shorter. Which, again, yeah. to your point, I can only imagine if you're if you're not on the same page for two signs. If you need to sit, shake like twice. I feel like you're screwed and then you have to step off and then you can only do that a certain amount of time. It's like, yeah. it, it just seems like if you're not on the same page, like you're going to be screwed. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, I grew up watching the steroid era of baseball, so yeah, same. I, I can't say that today's game resembles that in very many ways anymore, but yeah. you know, it's uh fast pace is good. I think that's, it's probably better for viewership. I, last season, it felt like we had the most, fan turnout I've been a part of just around the league. So if it's good, if it's good, I'm, I'm good with it. Yeah. If you were, if you were in charge for the, with the game of baseball, is there anything you want to see implemented into the game? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, I mean, it would be nice if more teams tried, I would say, I think that would be the biggest thing. And I don't mean that like, obviously everyone's trying, but yeah, there is, you know, there's the ones that go all in every year and they really do it. And there's the ones that don't. And I think the, the product would be better if, if as a collective, everybody was putting their, you know, if there was no, and I know that's maybe unrealistic, but if there wasn't such a thing as these multi multi-year rebuilds, you know, it'd be nice. But other than that, I, I think, you know, I think we're in a solid place. I just think that uh, a little bit more, I guess competitive balance, maybe, yeah. or a bit more of that, of there being stars everywhere. I, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I, I think it's interesting. Like, you're starting to see it more so with ownership groups taking over. Like, use the Orioles, for example. Like, it, it's almost like you have these owners that I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if this is the proper way to say it, but ownerships that maybe are more in it for the financial aspect instead of the love of baseball. Yeah, and I feel sure. like it really shows itself when you have a new ownership group come in that loves the game and wants to win. Like, and, and maybe Steve Cohen's not the best example because he's got all the money in the world, but he loves baseball and he wants to win with the Mets. And then a new ownership group that comes in with the Orioles. And it felt like with the Orioles, that might necessarily have always been the case with the, the past ownership, but at least with this one, it feels like they want to win. So I, I agree. And I've kind of said, like, in terms of what does the game need, I think it just needs more people running teams and investing in teams that that love baseball. And it's really, I think, yeah. that simple. Just love the game, want to win with your team, and and try your best to put a product out there that can win. Yeah, I also feel like there's an aspect of it, too, where you invest in your team and you get a bigger turnout or, you you know, maybe you make a deeper playoff run and there is that, that extra excitement and extra turnout. So it's almost yeah. like any other business where you put the money in up front and when it succeeds, that's when you really get to recoup because you've grown your product and your brand. Um, and I don't know the financials or not. I don't have any inside information on the financials of any teams, but I guess that's how I would run it. I mean, I would, I would really try to try to grow that, that brand and try to make that, you know, and it's easier said than done. It's not my money. I, I get it. Like, I don't really know the financials, but uh, I, I think, um, I don't know. I just think that that would be one big thing for baseball. 
Yeah. I mean, look at a couple, like, look at what the, the Diamondbacks did, you know, like they, they were a team that didn't have the, the biggest turnout in the world and, and a ton of success, but all of a sudden they invest a little bit in their team, make it to the world series. And the very next off season, they're making a ton of moves to, to improve their team and have built into this fan base, a willingness to win. And I actually even think a team like the, the Royals deserves a lot of credit for this off season, a team that lost a hundred games last year, but goes and makes a lot of moves to, at least put a competitive product out on the field and announce a new stadium and a new surrounding area and all of that. Like, I, I, I think like, and I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I don't think what we're saying is you need to be competitive every single year. I don't think that's realistic, but putting a product out there to at least have the fans be able to show up and like appreciate the, the ability to try and win on a given night, I think would just be huge. I mean, I, I feel like this team gets called out 24 seven, but I, I don't think a team like the A's doing what they're doing is any good for the game of baseball. But yeah. I do think a team like the Royals that's at least trying is 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 a positive step. I guess where it gets tough from a team's point of view is they probably sit and calculate and go, well, if we spend X amount of money, we're only getting this many more wins better and we're still not going to be better than the better team. So why spend the money, you know, right. and, like bringing these veterans or bringing the talent? But I don't know. I mean, I baseball is one of those games where anything can happen and uh it's just it's always you know a more competitive product and there baseball is competitive don't get me wrong there's never a series where you can just go in and and just show up and run people over like it's yeah. too difficult of a game to just you know run the tables like that but uh there, there's definitely a happy medium for sure yeah, I don't think it, if that's always the mindset, which is why even try and invest to win maybe five more games if it's not going to win the division. But then you run into a problem of you're never improving and you can exactly. have a decade or two decades of mediocrity because you're you're never willing to invest because you never feel like yeah. it's going to be that step that wins you a division or a World Series. So yeah. you just stay stuck and it's not fair to those players or that fan base, I, in, in my opinion. It would be, I would really like to see all the inside financials of everything. I know. Because that would be intriguing if it's, uh, you know, it would be really easy if, it's really easy to say, hey, do this and do this, but I don't know the inside, insider of that. So uh, it, it would be interesting. So I, I kind of like learning about economics and things in general. So yeah. it would be interesting, like, hey, what do these outside battery bar areas bring in to the club? What are yeah. these? Bringing, what does this bring in? What do these revenue streams look like? And uh, just kind of get get a, a better picture of everything. But uh, that's probably not going to happen unless I buy a team one day. I would love to see, because I think the Braves are a great example there. They bought the entire surrounding area. They built up those bars and that housing, and they own all of that. And I feel like that's kind of becoming like what teams are, are modeling after, right? Get sure. the surrounding area, make it a fun environment, and go from there. I would love to see like how after I don't know how long that stadium has been open or or the battery around it's been open, but I would love to see like the finances behind it and, and how that's yeah. done and, and let other teams be able to see that and go from there if it is profitable. Aren't the Mets doing like a multi-billion dollar thing with their surrounding area as well? Yep. Yeah. That's, like, uh, I mean, that's, that's a smart investment, man. That's never going to that's never going to do anything but appreciate and bring in a ton of cash. I remember going to the the World Series in twenty one when the Braves were in it. Um, either, but that's my that was my first experience in the battery, and it just becomes something where even if you don't have a ticket to the game, you're going there to hang out. 
and you're yeah. you're you want to be in that environment for the game and i do think it wants you know it, it forces people to want to go to the game it just drives like engagement and excitement around it all and I think, yeah, the Mets have done that. The The Royals talked about that. I think the White Sox said something as well. Yeah. I think a lot of teams are, are starting to do that. And I, I think it'd just be great overall for the game, for sure. Yeah. I mean, anything that anything that increases revenue is, is inevitably going to be better. So one guy that, you know, there has been a, a couple pickups from the White Sox that are bigger name guys, one of them being Martin Maldonado. I, yeah. I want to ask you about him because I think he's a, a pickup that, in the terms of general baseball fans watching, it, it doesn't seem like a massive baseball pickup for the team, but I don't know how much you've gotten to know him. But uh, by all accounts, every everybody that he worked with in, in Houston loves him. He is beloved in that city. He's beloved by his pitching staff. And uh, I, I think he's he's crucial to being able to work with his staff and being able to help guys and turn staffs around. How how pumped are you to throw to Maldi this year? Yeah, he's. Uh, I could tell why. I mean, you, you can tell he's a great dude. Um, he, he caught my first bullpen here, and uh, you can just tell that. You can tell he's he's a veteran that knows what he's doing. You can tell that he cares. You know, it's it would be very easy for or nice or easy. It, it you know, he could come in and and I guess be big league and do this and do that. And you know, I've got World Series rings, but he's not. He's he's here to be part of this culture, build this culture, yeah. be a leader. Uh, he's a you know, you can tell he's a leader. Um, I know his pitch calling is great. Uh, I know he's, he's a defensive juggernaut, juggernaut back there. And uh, I, I think he plays winning baseball. So uh, I, I know we're all extremely excited to throw to him. Another recent pickup within the last couple of days, uh, Liam Hendricks heading to the, yeah. heading to the Red Sox. Awesome. Um, speaking of beloved baseball players, he's certainly one of those. Tell me about your experience being teammates with him and what kind of person and player the boston red sox are getting yeah i always i, I enjoyed liam he's uh he's eccentric in a good way he's very kind-hearted um compassionate uh and uh he, he wants to win he's uh he's he's a warrior out there um he's all around just he's a good dude to have in your clubhouse so um you know as you can tell i mean even when he was going through his cancer and tommy john yeah the guy never had a bad day, you know, always optimistic, always brings a lot of energy. Um, yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's definitely somebody you want to have on your team. How, uh, how emotional was it that first outing back? Um, I can't, I was emotional watching it yeah, and, I, and I didn't know yeah. the ins and outs of what he was going through. I know he went through the battle and, and came out on the other side of it and got back out on the mound. And I was emotional watching him take the mound. What was, what were the emotions going on in the dugout that night? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I think it was impossible not to have goosebumps. You know, it's, it's just one of those things that is, uh, you know, you go from not knowing, you know, if, if life or death is, you know, we don't, you don't know what's going to happen to yeah. somehow, what was that, a couple months later, really not that much time after he's out there already, you know, already playing. Um yeah, I just remember it. I mean, it's, it was one of the cooler experiences for sure with everybody. I think I think the opposing team was clapping just as hard as we were. The yeah. entire stadium was was you know excited. Um, it was it was really incredible. Um, takes a lot of strength. Takes a lot of strength and, and courage to go through what he did. And uh, yeah, it's uh, I I really do hope that he has uh, 
a, a ton of success in Boston with my guy Gio as well. I'm sure they're going to be uh, hanging That's out. That's right. That's right. So I know this year, I mean, we talked, obviously the public was talking a ton about trade speculation and the public's talking about the White Sox and how good they're going to be or how, how maybe not good they're going to be, whatever they want to talk about. But you personally, what are you most excited about this season for you in 2024? Uh, I think these things just getting back out there and, uh, you know, having a chance to basically, you know, prove myself, having a chance to go out and get another year under my belt and just go out and compete. Um, I wasn't really thrilled with how I performed last year. Uh, and that's that's definitely been on my mind and so, something I want to improve upon. And uh, so far, it, it's uh, I've really enjoyed coming to the field and, and being around these guys. We got a lot of good dudes here, uh, and that that just makes it so much more enjoyable. So uh, I think the biggest thing is just just seeing you know what this team ends up looking like and seeing how hard how hard we fight. I, I think yeah. that's the biggest thing. Is just I just want to go out there and, and battle no matter what, and uh, you know just put out put something out there that's respectable. You know, I, I get you're not going to win every game, but. Uh, I, I really think if we take a lot of pride in the amount of effort and the amount of fight we have, uh, it's going to be a really fun season. Don, it might, it might not interest a ton of listeners, but it does interest me and it does interest you. So yeah. I got to ask you co-own two disc golf courses. Yeah. I know that was a big part of your off season. I got to ask, how's, how's all that going? And one, when do I get to play them? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, the one in Florida, it's in Brooksville, Florida, it's called Olympus. Uh, it's going really well we we opened it up to uh member to public within the last two weeks uh we're still on lifetime memberships doing all that the pro tour is going to be there this upcoming week for the chess.com open for the first pro tour huge uh so yeah it's uh it's it's a beautiful land it's a beautiful course it's one of the best it's the best course in florida but i would say one of the best courses around and then the one up in alabama cactus rock is coming along really nicely it's not quite ready uh, but it is just crazy, beautiful land. And, uh, I hope that one is used by the pro tour as well. And, and, uh, I'd, I'd like to see disc golf grow and I'd like to be a part of at least, I, su- I guess, on the entrepreneur side of kind of growing a brand and, and growing a product and that allows me to reinvest into it. And I got some ideas where I want to do like, you know, a million dollar tournament one day, some, some, some crazy stuff that really gets viewers to it uh and and uh i think it's i think it's an underrated sport it's it's they make it look easy but if you go and play it's very difficult so uh i'm I'm really excited to see the uh the event at olympus um there's going to be a, a guest a celebrity guest sir i can't say yet but i'll, I'll have to message ah. you can't say alive but it's uh it's going to be really exciting to watch because you know going through the whole process of setting up the LCs and buying the land and getting the insurance and flying mm-hmm. down there and building two new holes all that with Paul has been uh you know it's been a lot of effort that's been put into it so to see it get to a point where it's going to be used and um you know hopefully it becomes something that is is economically feasible so that we can continue to keep investing into the yeah. game and uh yeah just you know, build, build a cool brand and, and just do something cool. One of those guys that certainly makes it look easier than it is, is Paul Macbeth. You, yeah. you co-own two courses. Are they both with him? No, the other one is with my buddies. He designed the one in Alabama, but I co-own it with my buddies, the, the Williams brothers who, uh, they own a landscaping company and somehow they know how to shape 
how to do skid steer work and, you know, shape <laughs> fairways and cut down trees and do all kinds of crazy stuff. And you got to come out, you got to come out to that course. It's uh, I think it would, I think you'd be impressed. The Alabama one. Yeah. There, there's going to be a documentary dropping on it soon. The uh, pro tour put it together. So it was supposed to be dropping now, but I think there was some, like, a little bit of holdup, but we showed the entire process of buying the land to, to designing it, to them shaping it to what it is now. So yeah. That one's very close to being open to the public, and I uh, hope I get to keep making them and keep expanding with them. That's awesome, man. A uh, couple more questions for you before we finish up. Some fun ones. And this one might take you a second to come up with, but let's say we're trying to put together the most dominant five-man starting rotation in baseball. Gotcha. Which five guys are you going to take? Ooh. I mean, I think for sure you got to go Strider. Um, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and put me on this team because, you know, why wouldn't I? Two um, good mustaches as well. That has to be taken into account. Well, I'm going beer this year, but maybe we'll get mustache at some point. The mustache is gone? Wait a second. This is the biggest yeah. news you told me. The mustache well, is not going to be – it's going to be a beard. Well, I'll keep people guessing. I guess I don't know what I'm going to do for opening day. <laughs> uh, I wish I had a sheet of names in front of me right now. Um, Strider, Cease. Strider for sure. Strider, Cease. Uh Who else is super nasty? Well, you know who I, I like a guy like Luis Castillo's nasty. Garrett is Cole nasty. probably in there somewhere. Oh, Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole's a hundred percent in there. I, I forgot. Yeah. yeah, Garrett Cole's a hundred percent in there. Uh, okay. We need a we need a lefty. We need. I mean, we have three of five. Who do you got lefty wise? I mean, Blake Snell's a Cy Young. Needs uh, a team. Needs a team. Maybe yeah. it could be our team. This team here. Yeah. Yeah, we'll sign him. Um, who else we got? Yeah, who we know? uh, Rodon's in there. Marlins always have nasty guys, nasty starters. Uh, Tampa Bay's. Oh, McClanahan. Yes, McClanahan. Yeah, Glad him in there. Okay, that's um, four. That's four. And then. Hmm. I wish DeGrom was healthy. Yeah, DeGrom or Glass. No, they're they're kind of on that similar, you know. Um, I mean, DeGrom's on a, in a league of his own, but, you know. <laughs> uh, who are we missing? We got to be missing somebody. Yeah, we're missing somebody. I mean, it's hard not to put your brother on there, you know. I mean, I think he's earned, uh, I think he's earned a spot, you know. Um, Gosman's nasty. Oh, Gosman is. Corbin Burns, you know, nasty. Strikes. Yeah. We yeah. go on Gosman? Yeah, I think uh I think it'd be hard not to put Gosman on there. Fifth, All right. so we got Strider, Cease, McClanahan, Garrett, and Gosman. Yep. Pretty nasty. Yep. Pretty nasty. One guy not on there is because he's not pitching this year, is Shohei. And I gotta put this out there and I gotta ask you. Shohei, career two seventy-four hitter, Dylan Cease. A member of our rotation, a career 375 hitter. Yep. Why is Dylan Cease not a two-way player? You know, I've been asking myself that for years. <laughs> there is no good answer. There is no good explanation. You can't, you cannot use analytics or data to prove a point against me because I'm almost a career 400 hitter. Correct. I almost put the ball over the fence on a fake bunt slash oppo. I got bat speed. I can see the ball well. 
I think I can see spin. Uh, <laughs> I think I I think there's no reason why I shouldn't have a shot. I really don't. I think it's I think it's a, a travesty to the game. You went three for three one night uh, with a double. By the way, punched out eleven guys that same night in yep. Cincinnati. What do you remember from that night? You still have your bat that you went three for three oh, with. Like I, I don't know why you didn't get more playing time, but what do you remember from that night? Yeah, it was. I I, had, I think I had a no hitter going through like six, and I don't I don't even think I knew that because I was so excited about it. <laughs> I, leading up to that, I was I was so pumped, and I remember like the other guys were giving me such a hard time, like, oh, you're not even going to see the ball. You better swing as soon as it leaves their hand. Blah blah blah. And then I go out and take BP and I'm smashing him over the wall. And they're like, oh, you know, he's got a pretty good swing. You don't have a chance. <laughs> and I go three for three. So it was one of the more uh, legendary moments of my life for sure. I love that. You stepped into, uh, you got a feel for, I feel like what Shohei does every single night. And it was like the coolest thing of all time. <laughs> yeah. He gets to do, uh, I think hitting is more fun than pitching. I'll be honest. So yeah, he gets both best of both worlds. Yeah, I was a two-way guy in college and chose hitting one because I threw like 83, uh, two because I wanted to play every day. But fun fact, the hardest I ever threw was when I came in in relief in pro ball. We were losing 17 to one, came in to pitch against the Braves organization, touched 91 a couple times. I thought I was throwing 105 in the bullpen, but I did touch 91 in a game. So I felt proud about that. And and you took your brother deep. I've seen that video so many times. It pops up on my on my feed sometimes. I don't know. I don't know how you got that into the algorithm, but uh, I mean that's got to be. You ever talk about that anymore? Is that is that uh somebody somebody just recently was somebody just recently asked me like how often do you bring that up to your brother? And I was like honestly, I used to all the time, and now if we're anywhere, people are constantly bringing it up to him for me. So it is, it's all that's, the time. That's got um, to get old. Like, Hey, yeah, that was funny the first two years, but like, you know, you hear it, you hear it a million times. It just gets old, you know? Absolutely. Still will forever. It was the hardest pitch he threw all day by four miles an hour, by the How way. How hard was it? Uh, it was spring training. He was throwing on a backfield. I think he was, the pitch was 96. I think he was like 90, Man. 92 that day. And you, you took 96. Up, 96. Tried to break my bat and embarrass me, but oh my, ninety six, huh? That ain't no, that ain't no, uh, that's not a cookie by any means. I know it's literally one of only like, it was Oppo. It was like one of my only Oppo home runs of. You my even career. see it, or did you just swing? You just swing, and God did the rest. I so if he has to throw me a heater, right? He can't. He can't start me off with off speed. So I knew that. I, I personally could, think it'd be hilarious if he started you off with a banger. Also, I. I would do that. In fact, I have a live BP tomorrow. And the first pitch I'm throwing is a curveball just because it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. But he had the aspect of I'm nine years younger, younger brother. Like we've been talking about it our whole lives. And it just doesn't, he, I just felt like I was in a position where I knew I was going to get fastball. I knew he was going to throw it hard to try and embarrass me. So I was just sitting dead red. Hit it out, Oppo, and now we'll be talking about that when we're when we're ninety for sure. At least I will be. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and the good thing is there's video. You know, if this was the '30s, it'd be like a little news clip, and that'd be it. But now you can just go up, pull that thing up, and uh, watch it till you go to bed. I have it saved in like thirty different places, just in case something <laughs> happens one day. I USB can't, drives. I can't, yeah, can't lose it. CD-ROMs, backups everywhere. <laughs> All right, Dylan, this was a blast, man. Thanks so much for joining me. Uh, We'll talk again soon. Good luck this year. Good luck in spring training. Always so much fun, man. I appreciate it. 
I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right, buddy. See ya. Just wanted to thank Dylan Cease again for joining me. Always such a fun conversation. I I really enjoyed that. Really enjoyed the the talk of um, teams just uh, trying more. And and you know, obviously players are trying, but just having front offices buy in and really go for it, or at least put a, a product on the field that would be better for the game of baseball. And uh, yeah, I think that just turned into a, a really fun conversation. And also learn that he's going to try and uh, be a two-way player this year without a mustache, which might be a little bit disappointing. But you never know. It, it might make an appearance. So uh, that was just really fun. I hope you all enjoyed it. Thanks for, thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's Apple, Spotify, wherever. You can also watch every episode we do on YouTube, on Spotify as well. And we're on all social media at Flippin' Bats Pod for all of them but that does it for this episode thanks again to dylan cease thank you all for listening and until next week spring training rolls on this again has been flipping bats until next time peace